Welcome to Creation Training Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative, where we offer courses to help train others to speak and teach on biblical creation and apologetics. Well, we have back with us in our studio today, Dr. John Whipcomb, one of the pioneers in the creation movement there. Now, Dr. Whitcomb, uh, you've written many, many books, and I want to focus on one of those books this time and just one of those topics, The Genesis Flood. Yes. That is one of the books that really started and got this whole creation movement going and actually gave credibility to the creation. Right. Not that we need outside information, but your book gives credibility because it uses the Bible as Amen. its authority. Amen. And we're not going to gain credibility by our own wisdom. It's through God's wisdom. Right. So I'd like to focus on, on that book, the Genesis. And you happen to have a copy with you today. Yes. Great. And how many printings have we gone through on this? Over 40 times this book has been reprinted. And now the 50th edition is off the press. And we say, thank you, God, for using this tiny little pebble in a sling to destroy the Goliath of evolutionism in the hearts of thousands of people. And if you like thick books, this is a book you have to get. One of the original books in the creation movement, and it's over what, over 500 pages? Yes. Right, you could, have, or you could have over a page every day and still have a second year to finish it. So, it's a great book, and it, again, it has inspired many people. It showed them that the Bible is true, but also God has given us the evidence to right. support it. Right. Not that we need that, right. but his word's sufficient. You see, Mike, we all realize now, as never before, the main problem with many Christians even, with Genesis chapter 1, is that they don't understand that the trillions of fossils of plants and animals and marine creatures and other animals and some people as well were not formed through millions and millions of years. The Genesis flood was a catastrophe of global proportions for an entire year, more than a year, and was hydrodynamically effective in forming these fossils one layer upon another, like in, as you visit in the Grand Canyon, which we've done. And we hope you all go to the Grand Canyon and see for yourselves. These layers were not formed over millions of years, but like pages in a book, rapidly, rapidly, rapidly. Global catastrophism. You see, God says, when all else fails, why not open my book and read about it? You say, well, Lord, what do you, what do you mean? When I listen, listen to this, some people don't realize this. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, the fountains of the great deep burst open. You say, what are all these things about years and months and days? That's the point. Aren't you glad the verse doesn't start like this? Once upon a time, long, long ago, there was a man named Noah, which means there wasn't such a person. Chronology is the backbone, the structure of history. History, the means by which God reveals his plan and purpose for the world. So God is saying, now, this is something that really happened. What do you, what do you mean it really happened? What happened? On the same day, all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. The pre-flood transparent vapor canopy condensed and collapsed. In six weeks, the whole world, including all the mountains, were totally covered with water. You say, really? God says, I'm serious. Really? Listen to this. Verse 17. We're in Genesis 7, 17, Mike. 
and the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water increased and lifted up the ark. So it rose above the earth. Remember that word, the ark. Okay. And the water prevailed. That's a powerful Hebrew verb meaning to overcome all opposition. Prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Remember that word, the ark. Okay, in just a moment. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And the water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. Why 15 cubits? Half the height of Noah's ark. As the ark was fully laden with that precious cargo, it sank about half its height into the water. God saw that the highest mountain of the world was covered by at least 15 cubits so the ark would not be destroyed. It would float right over the top. Now, how would Noah know to do that? I wonder if God might have told him how to design yes. that ark. See, we look at this and see the, the, the dimensions of the ark. God knows everything. We're, we don't give God the credit for knowing right. this. Right. He knows science too, doesn't he? Amen. And so you, you say now the ark, but people just laugh at that. They, you see cartoons of the ark with a couple yes. of giraffes sticking their necks out. But it was no laughing matter in Noah's day the only means by which people could be saved. You say, really? Yes. If the flood didn't cover the world, they'd have had over 100 years to move away to some other region unaffected by a limited local regional flood. This is the only possible way to survive that flood is to be in that ark. And I say, Lord, amazing details. You, you know, Noah had a problem with the ark too. Did you know that? Listen to this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 19. God said to Noah, of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive. Really? I have to do that? Yes, birds, animals, creeping things. Oh, here's the answer to the problem. Two of every kind shall come to you to keep them alive. Oh, thank you, God. I build the ark. You bring the animals. That answers a very big question. How did the animals get to the ark? Right. It's right there in the Bible. Yes, God brings them to Noah. And Noah and his wife, three sons and their wives, eight people, didn't have to take care of these animals every hour of every day in that year of the flood and the ark. God took care of them. You say, really? Where does it say that? Listen to this. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. And God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the animals that, that were with him in the ark. You say, well, what does that prove? It doesn't mean that God temporarily forgot them and then remembered them. And the Hebrew verb zakar, to remember, is a powerful verb meaning to take full care of and to provide all the needs of. It's the same idea that the thief on the cross said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. He didn't mean just recall I was here. Meet my total need. This day, said Jesus, you'll be with me in paradise. God took care of all the animals. He brought them to the ark, took care of them in the ark dispersed them around the world after the flood ended a year and uh, uh, 10 days later, uh, 371 days of flood. I said, Lord, this makes sense. There's nothing inconsistent or shocking to our, compared to the Gilgamesh epic and other Babylonian and other mythologies that are full of absurdities. This makes sense. It's consistent. It is exactly what Jesus said, Noah, Enter the ark and survive the flood. What a great way we could start our days off with. God, remember me, your servant. Amen. What a great prayer to start your day off. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I, I didn't know that, that, that <laughs> what that word meant. Right. Now, now, now Dr. Wickman, I just got to point this out. 
you're sitting there reading that Bible, and you're not using any glasses, any magnifying glass. <laughs> you, God has gifted you with some wonderful sight. Praise the Lord. Now, I, I, I don't know how you're going to take this. How, just what age are you, Doctor? I know you're not 600. <laughs> you're not getting another flood. How old are you, actually, Doctor? Well, Wilkins? in God's mercy, in June of this coming year, uh, I'll be 90 years old. 90 years old, and, and you're running the race to the finish. Praise the Lord. I, I just can't believe... I mean, some of the greatest preachers in history, like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, died when he was 59. Others, even younger. But the bad news to me is this, to whom much has been given, much is required. And I wish we'd all remember that as Christians, <laughs> right. because God has given some of us health. Yes. He's given some of us wealth and many other things he's given us. Yes. And we're to use all that for his greater glory Amen. and honor and not ours. Amen. Praise the Lord. But uh, let, let's go on with the flood. Uh, there's, uh, now, this is written, the, the Hebrew language on the flood is not written in poetic style at all, is it? It's written in the narrative format in the yes, Hebrew. Right. There are a couple of little poems here and there, but the basic line is history. But when you come to the Psalms where you have many poems, you somehow, somehow are shocked to see, well, there's history there too about the flood. Really? Listen to this one. Psalm 104, Thou, God, didst cover it, the earth, with the deep, to home as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains, the flood, mountain-covering flood. Well, what happened? Listen to this. At thy rebuke they fled. At the sound of thy thunder they hurried away. And the mountains rose, and the valleys of basins sank down. And so the water went where? To the place which thou didst establish for them. Thou dost set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. Never again will there be a universal flood. The rainbow covenant is God's guarantee. If you wonder whether I meant what I said, just look up in the sky. Rainbow. Now, we, lived, we ministered in France for many years during the 1980s, teaching in a seminary over there. One day there was a tremendous thunderstorm. When the storm ended, the sun broke through the clouds and a double rainbow from one end of heaven to another. And we wondered, what does the average Frenchman think of that rainbow? French people, in many cases, are very scientifically minded. They would say, oh, how beautiful. The refraction of solar radiation through spherical water droplets. That's true, but they missed the message. Mm -hmm. The message is, God will never send another global flood. And we say, Lord, all these signs, reminders if you've given us, not only in your precious word, but even in the heavens and the sky around us. And I say, Lord, I want to see the whole world as you see it, a world that has, was created supernaturally in six days, a world that was cursed because Adam and all of us rebelled against your word, a world that was flooded by the catastrophism of the deluge, trillions of fossils everywhere are crying out and saying, look at us, we were catastrophically buried and of course of all the things that God has ever done or ever will do the creator the judge the ruler of the world came to this planet became a 100% member of the human race through incarnation died on a cross for our sins because he loved us so God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and rose bodily three days later to prove that the payment was finished. It was completely covered. And I say, Lord, thank you for all these great, wonderful things you have done. 
and we know that you're going to do everything you promised you're going to do to bring the kingdom to this earth. Wow, thank you. Now, I want to go back and cover a couple of things. You're, you're just giving so many profound uh, doctrines here. Psalm 104, the, the mountains rose and the valleys sank. Right. And God put the water again in a place that would never again overflow the earth. That answers a very important question. Where did the water go after the flood? Right, 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 right. Newly deep in ocean basins. Yes. When you go to the ocean today, if you have God's word in your mind and heart, you'll see two things that modern evolutionary atheistic scientists cannot see. Number one, uh, this is the deepest ocean the world has ever known. Because before the flood, much of the water was above the atmosphere. A pre-flood vapor canopy, water is above the firmament, shallower oceans. And not only that, it's the final ocean. Because when, when the new heavens and new earth are, are created by God, there'll be no more sea at all. You're seeing the deepest and last oceans of the universe and of the world as you look. So when we're alive, we should take a swim. Because yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> after, after we're dead, we're not going to be able to swim anymore. That's right. Now, some other, one other important piece you, there, you, you mentioned earlier, that the ark was the only place to be safe. Right. That's kind of like a, a, a story about what Jesus Christ is for us, isn't he? Amen. Was the, there was only one way for safety during the flood, and that was on that ark, and people who rejected that perished. Right. Isn't that what Jesus Christ has told us also about himself? Absolutely. And while, when, I can just imagine when that ark was being finished, some group of priests, flood scientists might have come to Noah for an interview and say, Sir, what are you doing here on this high mountain building this ark? He said, Well, God is going to bring water from the heavens and only those in the ark will be saved. They'll say, Well, that's never happened. Noah could have said, Well, I've, I've lived for 600 years and many things that I have seen show us nothing about what's going to happen apart from what God has said. And God meant what he said. How many believed him? None, except his own family. Today, God has another ark. Jesus is his name. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And if you believe what God says about his son, the ark of salvation, he will shut his securing hand on your soul in Jesus Christ. And when the fire flood comes, the global fire catastrophe that's coming, those inside of Jesus will survive the fire flood and be landed on a new earth in which dwells righteousness forever. So Jesus is the ark of salvation for the whole human race today. Thank you for that message there. Now, if you were to tell somebody the importance of the flood, if somebody came up and said, why is the Genesis flood important for me to know? Shouldn't we just teach about maybe Jesus Christ yes. and not worry about these old things in the Old Testament? How would, what would you say to that person? Well, of course, the Genesis flood was God's way of warning the human race. It's only by God's mercy and grace that we're still even alive on this planet. He could have wiped out everybody. And I say, Lord, another flood's coming. Second Peter chapter 3, another flood is coming upon this planet and only those who believe in Jesus will be saved. You say, where, where, where does it say that? Now listen carefully. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring your, your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember. You are to think, not just guess, wonder, imagine. Think, think, okay? Know this first of all, 
that in the last days, mockers, scoffers, will come with their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since, ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue just as they were from the beginning of creation. Uniformitarianism, which I was taught at Princeton and all universities in the world today that are recognized. Uniformitarian, everything's the same. Nothing new will ever happen. When they maintain this, they willfully ignorant of the fact that by the heaven, by the word of God, the heavens were long existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by the water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. The Genesis flood is God's answer to uniformitarian thinking, and not only that, it's a picture of what's coming. But the present heavens and earth, by His word, are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You say, really? Fire? What kind of fire? Well, the heavens will pass away, verse 10, with a roar, destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up. And you know something? I met a man at Princeton one day who was terrified at things happening. We had a gospel presentation on the campus with a Christian film. Guess who came in? Albert Einstein. That was in May of 1947. He heard the gospel. I gave him a gospel tract as he left. But you see, he was fascinated. How did the world get here? How did the universe get here? And, 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 I, and he was terrified at what? What the atomic bomb had done. In August 1945, when those bombs fell in Japan, the scientific world changed forever. You see, people believe now that at any minute the whole world could blow up. He was terrified. He really was. And should, everyone should be terrified. The, the only thing that keeps us here is an invisible thread called the long-suffering of God. Yes. Which will give us a thousand more years in his kingdom and other things that he has planned. And I say, Lord, help me to see what you did at the flood is what you're going to do at the end of the world with fire. And you will destroy the universe and the world that you made by cosmic disintegration. And if we don't have Jesus Christ, right. we should be terrified. Amen. Praise yes. the Lord. Now, uh, that verse you read in Second Peter sounds an awful lot like today. Yes. I know some alleged Christian websites out there that just mock and scoff at the Genesis flood being a worldwide flood. Yes. And on some of these so-called Christian organizations out there, on their websites, they show a picture of the ark looking like a houseboat with yeah. giraffe's head sticking out. Right. That is mocking God's word right there. Right, right. But they should be terrified of what's going to happen right. unless they repent of what they're believing today. Well, it's, Mike, thank God it's never too late to repent because even the people drowning in the flood may in some cases have said God was right. He did speak yes. to Noah. I repent and then died like the thief on the cross died. So whoever may be watching or listening, may God speak to your heart to repent, to believe God's precious word and God's Savior today. Well, this has meant a lot to you today, and it's meant an awful lot to me to, to hear one of the pioneers in the creation movement running the race all the way. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, why don't you start your prayer with, God, remember me, your servant. Thank you, and God bless you.
If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Thank you.